Hello and welcome to Everyday Moonadir, a podcast that comes to you straight from some town in middle of nowhere, England, and a shitty city in Northern Europe. Uh, as usual, I'm your host, Lee, and with me is perpetual, peripatetic man, Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello. Uh, How are I'm in Bristol, by the way, so I'm not sure what that, what that was about. <laughs> well, well, you're still in Bristol, but we'll, we'll get on to that. Um, how's your week been? Oh, he's, he's got beverage. Um, how's your week been? Um, how was your last couple of weeks been? You've been like you've been weirdly active. For <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, like you just you know you've you've discovered Twitch. Oh yeah, and you know going revisiting for... the Big Break <laughs> and uh, uh, something else. Well, I think I don't know. Um, well, yeah, uh, yeah. So I discovered Twitch, and today I've been uncharacteristic uncharacteristically full of spunk and vim and vigor and um it's very strange like when that happens to someone like me or just me i get very worried that i'm probably just going to suddenly die uh because usually i just always feel crap and tired and achy and so it's like it's like you know days i think everyone of sort of our age and up get this thing of like you have your one good sleep every four months and you go oh this is this sort of remind me of what it was like to have a 22 year old's body you know where everything just kind of worked if you're lucky enough and to have the privilege to have had a you know able body or whatever um i genuinely cannot remember the last time i had a good night's sleep yeah no that's what i'm saying so i feel like i've entered a different universe state and what is interesting is it might be that finally realizing my life stream of twitching to big break <coughs> has kind of you know it's like it, i've uh, yeah entered a realm of zen like equanimity off the back of watching jim davidson's really terrible brand of comedy next to a snooker table in 1993 but it's kind of like, you know, like I assume, you know, if you're a writer or something, you get a novel published after years <laughs> of slaving away at it. Um, there's been months of us now talking about me doing Twitch or whatever, and it's happened. And it's sort of like, you know, I've been out of sleep easy. I slept for the, properly for the first time in months. <laughs> I think there is something to be said about sort of telling yourself you're going to do something and then eventually getting around to doing it and whether that sort of gives you a I sense hope, of fulfillment or not i really hope that wasn't the case with twitching big break because <laughs> if that is the case and fuck me what's happened to my life but having said that pop in your old browser whichever one you prefer twitch.tv forward slash peter kennedy tv and there's a one hour 17 minute video of me watching big break and then uh, a, a chunk of me watching noel edmund's house party at the end <laughs> so do you uh, think that's going to bring the masses in? uh i mean it's brought nine people thus far mate does it tell you like how long they sat in <laughs> yeah. uh that suggests that because if you i know you just checked it and i imagine you might have watched four minutes of it <laughs> so i'm gonna i'm gonna guess that yeah it's i, I doubt you want to listen to one hour 17 of that oh, fair enough I could end up being I've just seen actually recommended channels Dom Jolly <laughs> <laughs> so 
I could be the next Dom <laughs> Jolly. I could be the next yeah Dom Jolly of of Twitch. I think that like Twitch, like I know I've never quite understood watching people watch things. Mm. However, having said that, I have watched Americans watch react to British hip hop. Yeah, that's good. Which is always quite funny because half the time they're really excited, but they also don't understand a lot of the slang. And it's a sort of weird insight into sort of your average American's <laughs> knowledge of things outside of America. Um, but then sort of like British slang, I suppose now it's sort of grime and stuff but, and drill. Um, I mean, I've seen it for TV, the... Americans watching like quite, um, yeah, sort of like cult classic TV, like reads some Mortimer stuff and all this kind of thing and just being like, what the heck? They can't understand what they're saying. It's super surreal. It's not all ending on a happy, fun note, you know, on a positive spin at the end. And so they're like, what is going on? Um, yeah, but I mean, that's a, that's a cultural thing as well, I think. I mean, there's a sort of... I I, I never got into um, Reeves and Mortimer. Like, I don't understand why people find it funny. I can see what is funny about it, but I don't understand why. Um, I mean, what comedy do you watch? And you're not allowed to say anything that's... Uh, drawn so what comedy do you like because i've i've and it, and it can't be co- cartoon based because um, i know anything because i know that you've like archer and uh what's the thing rick and, the, rick and morty night sort of thing but i've never like a live human tv show i like stand-up um doesn't count it's not a sitcom gary stand-up <laughs> Um, yeah, um, incredible. This is well. This is the thing. Like, it's nothing that sort of makes me think sort of groundbreaking. Yeah, it's interesting. Like earth shattering. Like sitcom hilarious. syndrome. <laughs> um, I mean, this doesn't mean I don't find things funny. Like, I found the in between is really funny. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, okay, that counts. Yeah. Um, Green Wing, which was a yeah. little watched medical comedy in you know, a tiny, a tiny medical comedy. Yeah, and that sort of—I mean, like, it's sort of like I'll sit down and watch like Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Yeah, <laughs> wow, but, that's a, <laughs> but like out there, I, but, yeah. I don't think it's sort of like ground. I mean, I think it's funny. I don't think it's groundbreaking. I wouldn't be like, oh my god, this was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Same with like the Mighty Boosh and League of Gentlemen and things like that. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, those two, those last two you just mentioned, were literally groundbreaking. Uh, well, not literally, but... <laughs> but see, this is the thing. Like, I came to them really late. So, like, they uh, were okay. think, And this is, I think, is a bit of a problem with, like, a lot of sort of... Not necessarily cult, but, like, I watched The Inbetweeners as it was on TV, but okay. and Green Wing as well, whereas The Mighty <laughs> Boosh I didn't watch until probably 2009 or 2010. Um, and... Yeah, I didn't really find like I get what it's funny. Like I like really absurdist humor, um, and I like uh, incongruity. But I think part of it is the same. Like it's just one of those things that people sort of raved about. And yeah, I didn't like I didn't watch The Office when it came out, and then it was not until I was at uni I watched like two episodes, and I'm like, I can't, cannot watch this. Same with like Curb Your Enthusiasm. Like I find it funny, okay. like that awkward stuff. 
Um, <laughs> I've literally never watched an episode of Arrested Development, and yeah. I find that people All of bang on about it. Long. I find no, well, this is a thing. Like, I find that just people bang on about it, and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, you find it funny. That's great. Yeah, it's fine. Like, I think it's because it's hyped. I don't have much interest in it because, like, I'm like, I, you know, it's like I can get references. Like, a lot of times, where people will make references to to like The Office and things like that, and I'm like, I've not seen enough of it to know what you're talking about, but I know what you're talking about. Um. But then this is the thing. I like memes. I find memes. I was going to say this is the memification of life and existence. It's like breaking everything down to a a single image <laughs> rather than its <laughs> holistic whole, which is uh, quite sad, really, isn't it? Not yeah, in well, general. We all do this. Something not to wait you, but I'm just saying it's sad that that's now the culture is fucking memes rather than the actual an actual thing. Okay, so well, well, for example, two guys like, sat and or two the, women sat and sculpted it, like you know. Tina Fey, just go home. Don't write for six months. Just I don't know, do a funny image or something, or write it. And we'll forget everything that built that up, and then it will just become a bloody image for people to take the piss out of each other on the internet. And I'm not saying it's anything to do you. Like I do it. We all, do, you know, and that's how the culture's going. But it's like, bit, but it's like, but I mean, like I really like sort of '80s comedies. Uh, for example, I was watching um, Trading Places recently, a few weeks ago. Um, and that to me is an example of very, very good comedy. It's very sort of, um, just a very like poking, like, and it's got like really stupid, completely outlandish things happening, but at the same time, like it's, it's grounded in a sort of reality, uh, as well, in which like things are patently ridiculous for, you know, very, very yeah, okay, but you're talking about yeah. Well, I mean, you did say that you're into absurdist comedy, but we won't we won't <laughs> look at that. You know, slight juxtaposition there, but of um, but the but you know, I mean, but I mean, okay. So for example, I shared I mean with you earlier uh, about the whole I'll boat thing. It. Oh yeah, um, and uh, which I have to now describe it, which will take literally all of the fun, oh. funniness, comedy, and hilarity out of it. Um, but, uh, you know, like it's a picture of the evergreen boat and, uh, uh, someone says, I take it back. Mark's, uh, sorry, no, uh, Mark's failed to consider a boat getting stuck in the canal. And then the next bit of the image is I take it back. Um, uh, Mark's didn't fail to consider it. And there's a little bit of a quote from uh, the companion to Marx's capital saying, imagine a boat getting stuck in the Suez Canal and the sort of capital. And like, so that kind of like, that kind of absurdity um, is something that I like. That sort of, and you know, I mean, I spent a lot of time on Reddit <laughs> okay. and, you know. He's had a Reddit breakdown. Um, it's all... Yeah, it's all image memes, uh, which I, I mean, enjoy. Um, uh, yeah, what was I gonna say? So I can't remember. I keep I keep thinking up stuff. This is this is the problem. This is why I talk so much normally, because I forget everything twenty <laughs> seconds after I think it, unless I just say it quickly and get it out there. And in my attempt to let you speak, <laughs> like I do every five episodes, it's yeah blowing my mind out. Um, uh, oh no! I tell you what, like my equivalent is maybe for you when you have like a comedy that people have like hyped up, and you're like, 
Yeah, because with that sort of thing, you can get sick of it before you even see it, For because you think you've already, you know, like, it, you know, because it is possible to sort of experience and have it, like, by osmosis to an extent, some of these things, because all the memes and like, no. but a, a version, my version of that is memes, or the thing everyone's talking about that week that I just find annoying because everyone's talking about it, i.e. the boat thing. So I kind of go up my way to not fucking know what's happening with that. And it sort of irks me. Uh, and then, you know, there's that thing of like, I feel better than everyone because I don't know about it. And they're all like, oh, you're talking about the thing everyone's <laughs> talking about. Um, I'm so cool because I'm not or some shit. Um, and I remember that thing. I still don't know what it was about some bloke in America running away from wild boar or something and guns. Is that like last year? It became a. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. Oh, no, that was like the meme of the fucking decade that for seven weeks, you know, whatever, what, seven hours probably. And it's just everywhere, the whole thing. And I'm like, I literally have no idea what that was about, who it was about. What it, and I, I just thought, I'm just seeing, yeah, broken up tiny little things about whatever this was, i.e., memes. And it's just fucking annoying. Can I not see this on my timeline? Because it's like everyone thinks they're hilarious with it, sort of thing. But that'll be like of everything. Yeah, in terms of like a hot take on, yeah, it's like, I open like Twitter and it's all the stuff about like Bristol riots, yeah? And, you know, this is the people making the obvious points and the sort of like, yeah, if this happened in Zimbabwe, we'd all be the liberal press. And we'd all, it's like, yeah, yeah, because it'd be happening in Zimbabwe and they don't have to do the fucking ideological laundry for like Zimbabwe because it's the British press, you dickhead. And it's like, <laughs> so it's like yeah. They have to like do the sort of cleaning it out and making it look like you know, manufacturing consent because it's here and that's where they fucking do that. And that's what their part part of the fucking system is. I mean, they look at Myanmar and people get basically what in. what your problem is. Like, so this is a this is a thing I find, which is why I like Reddit and continue to use Reddit. Is memes generally start on Reddit, and so you see them before everyone else. So like. You're not, and they it moves so quickly that you're not sort of inundated by the yeah. same thing. Whereas on Twitter, I don't really get that. Like, I mean, I get people like talking about the news and stuff, but I mean, like, by the point I see something <laughs> yeah. on Twitter where someone's made a <laughs> made a point, I've already seen it several times, and I'm like, well, I just can ignore this. I, I mean, mean, I can't ignore it. It's just like um, such obvious stuff. Like, so, like people who are leftists in this particular example, going on Twitter and talking about the police being brutal, but but with a real, like, childlike naivety about... It's weird, because they know... They'll, like, say about the system is brutal and it's unequal and it's, and it's like, violent and all kind of... But they'll go on Twitter the day after as if, like, proving that or something. It's, like, screaming to the void. Then it's like... But you know the police do that. They do that at every protest, pretty much. It might be getting worse ish but i've been at protests where people have died <laughs> and it's just like that that's what it like why why are you like you go on and say oh we're gonna like defeat the police or the police boat beat up this woman here's the pictures i totally get that where it's like oh they beat the shit out of this woman you know and it's because it's good to get those images out there i mean I'd rather it wasn't happening but it's good but when it's just like a sort of a sentence or two being like Oh yeah, the police the police has and Keir Starmer and Boris Johnson Pripta aren't doing either and it's like why on fuck's name would they? <laughs> I don't know. It's just to me, it's very straight, and I, yeah, increasingly more sort of 
just confused and alienated from the left, I think, of my own country because I'm just like, it's real like babyishness sort of thing. And I think it's actually more liberal than leftist. It's like, yeah, in history, like radicals and leftists and like, you know, far left or whatever are kind of more aware of like, yeah, that's the systemic nature of these things. And there's this like liberal playing out of like, if uh, shouldn't the BBC be unbiased? Uh, why is the Daily Mail allowed to print invective against asylum seekers every day? What? Pretty Patel's acting like a fascist, I, but like surprise about this, like centrists that they hate. It's like, well, centrists could be surprised about that or just kind of not see it as what it is because they're centrists. But what's your excuse? Because you claim to be like a, you know, far left radical, but you're responding like a liberal who's who believes in the goodness of the system. That's what I don't get. Well, I think that is you know the you know the sort of disassociation from reality particularly in the state where people are now um where they are locked up and sort of generally yeah, spend maybe. a lot more time on the internet and they look at things and it's like a, it's a funny thing like uh, you know here's a meme that i saw on uh, on tiktok of all places it was sort of like there's uh it's like a 10 15 second video and um, sort of like, what did you get out of lockdown? And one person, like, it's yeah. the same person, but they do it in three different voices. And it's like, I got, um, you know, I got depression, I got uh, anxiety. And then the final one is like, and I became a communist. And it's sort of like, you got a lot yeah, of like young people sort of embracing very like left wing uh, ideals that probably paid no attention to politics up until this point. But I think that the outpouring of, um uh this not necessarily dissatisfaction yeah, okay, yeah. but sort of shock to sort of the police being a bunch of cunts to you know people dying in custody to you know the fact that right-wing governments are attempting to stifle protest like i you know it's not shocking it's it's wholly unsurprising and it is straight out of a right wing. maybe that's because I mean, we're old um, and yeah, we did, knew i mean this but, when we were like 16 and some of these people are 22 and it's kind of newish to their politics and to them yeah maybe but i mean i think like with like the police the whole police powers bill thing in the uk where they're sort of like well you know if a protest starts to disturb someone uh the police can step in and sort of like sorry hang about have you forgotten what the definition of a protest is i mean it's meant to get in yeah. people's way like and obviously the police would rather like not have this and also uh, a government that likes to push through powers on the belief that they you know through a parliamentary system which isn't representative of all the uk um they're going to try to do what they want and i mean it's also like when people get pissed off like oh yeah billionaires fund the Tory party and the uh, Tory government has cut taxes for uh, yeah, um, right. like business taxes and stuff and stuff. And it's sort of like, are you surprised? Like, why are you surprised? Like, have you not been paying attention up until this point? And obviously the answer is no. Um, but I mean, it's sort of until say I would, you know, for a, for a period from, I don't know, 2009 to 2015 I found like that like you know when to start talking about politics and talking about being sort of a lefty and all that kind of stuff it's yeah. sort of a bit of a joke um and sort of saying yeah well you know I I I 
what we need to seize the means of production with a sort of wink and cheeky smile and um and that's really that you know it's not the end of the day but like the underlying nature of my answer when or topics of conversation never really like there's always an undercurrent of seriousness in it and i think that you know it's like i've i've had very very left-wing views for a very long time um and my i would often use humor to sort of cut through that because nobody wants to sort of you know be down a pub and have a conversation <laughs> yeah when yeah because when we were younger yeah. union stuff yeah you you it's like well, i mean we also studied politics yeah, so i mean that, that was even that was what we talked about that, yeah right? but no but i think there's that thing <laughs> of what's interesting is because of all the corbynism and situation corbyn stuff is that movement is that you know there are 24 year olds who are cool people who are interested in politics whereas when we were at like uni or I mean, middle high school, you know, secondary school. I mean, you think, who the fuck would want to talk about that sort of stuff, or was it of interest, kind of thing? But mm. um, and and this is what's interesting also at the moment with like people being really, you know, I'm I'm angry at Labour Party and I'm appalled by their sort of response to everything or lack thereof. But because I lived as an adult under like New Labour, none of it's a surprise to me. To me, this is the default. It's not like the bug, it's the, mm. you know, whatever the phrase is. It's a feature, not the bug sort of thing. So, and I've got to remind mm. myself when I see like 25-year-olds screaming about Keir Starmer not being at the barricades in Bristol. <laughs> like, yeah, that's <laughs> not his or the party's role in like the British political economy. And yeah, it was taken over by basically entryist types like myself and Corbyn is not an entryist, but you know he's not on the mainstream of the party for five years. But that was a massive historical blip. Even if you go back into the past, really. Um, so, but if you've only you know if you were like ten, no, no, say you're like fifteen or something, and sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, and there's like five years. That's those are very uh, like consciousness and world and and like principle and life defining years. If five years of them, there's like a radical left party at the at the at the gates of power. Like you didn't experience that. I didn't experience mm. that. I don't know anyone experienced that when we were like 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 24, 26, all that kind of thing. So so when you see that, I sort of have to kind of remind myself to to like, you know, obviously go easy on those people in my internal judgment of them. Cause it's like, yeah, man, if you were like 20 and you got into politics, and then you know, you had like a radical left Labour Party sort of ish. And then you're like 25 and that's gotten. That's, that's quite a core amount of time and a big chunk of your life that that was the thing. Whereas well, for me, you know, 2010, I despised Labour Party so much I wanted them to lose an election, which could only have the other outcome of bringing in the Tories. But I fucking hated them. I thought a vile party and I always had like my entire life up to them. So, um, and now it's just going back to that. And that's normal for me. Because <laughs> uh, it's only a five year blip. Mm. But I mean, I th- but I think that like the it's also like it is a bit different in the UK and and um, in the US, for example. I mean, like so. One of the things that I find difficult with with the UK politics is I didn't sort of grow up around it, um, and so, when so I'm sort of much more familiar with uh, a lot of sort of American blips in ideology, if you will. And I mean, the one that really sort of stands out for me, so like when. 
when George Bush got elected um, and he was running against Al Gore. He was also technically running yeah. against Ralph Nader as well, uh, and who was um, running for the Green Party. And I was like, like, how are people not voting for Ralph Nader? And then the people yeah, yeah. that got pissed off that Ralph Nader won and stole like votes. So I'm like, you can't steal votes. It's sort of like either you stand for a platform or you don't. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's not stealing votes. And I mean, I, I think that like sometimes, I mean, when it comes down to it, I mean, say, for example, between Biden and, and Trump, it's very much a lesser of two evils. Um, however, the fact that the American left, I mean, in the early two thousand, like late 90s and early 2000s, was essentially nowhere. However, it wasn't that it didn't exist. It was just not, it didn't have a platform in the way that, say, like Bernie Sanders has now. Uh, and I mean, Ralph Nader said, like, you know, I mean, people, like, get pissy about him and stuff like that. But I mean, he's the only American politician um, that I've fundamentally agreed with on, on so many of the issues that he ran on his platform. Um, I mean, even like Bernie Sanders, it's like, because he's from Vermont, he's Guns still, stuff. he's got to, you know, play up yeah. to the, the gun toting yeah. sort of, and, you know, and I mean, and, you know, fair enough, but like the rest of his platform, it makes a lot of sense. And the fact that Americans can't see it just annoys me. But at the same time, you know, when sort of my introduction to, to British politics was really the Iraq war. Um, and, 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 you know, I'm like, well, I've got no idea anything really. I mean, like, you know, I, I knew that, Thatcher was evil, but I had no sort of no inkling as yeah. really as to why. Um, you know, and I mean, like the sort of common refrain I heard at college was, you know, she took her milk away, and I'm like, that sounds bad enough. You know, it's yeah. on her grave when she's dead. Um, but um, you know, and I mean, I think that like the the sort of nuances of British politics uh, for a long it wasn't until we was at uni that like I really. Sort of understood them in the same way that um, I felt like I grew up yeah, with sure. American politics and particularly like, living in the South in, in Georgia as well. I mean, I remember, um, you know, like I said this before, like, you know, the Confederate flag used to be part of the state flag of Georgia. And I always, even like at sort of 14 or 15, I was like, <laughs> that's a bit weird, isn't it? Um, and, uh, and, you know, and I mean, and obviously like sort of being in the South and stuff and, you know, like, going to the school that I went to, um, I remember, it's actually a funny story. I remember having this fucking class. It was sort of a, basically a civics lesson. Um, I can't remember what the name of it was. It had a stupid name. Um, it was a stupid school, but uh, me and this, uh, me and this good friend of mine, Lisi, uh, she was like one of like three black kids in my entire year. Uh, we always got put in, in this one class and it was very like, you know, the teacher was this, very sort of outspoken gay man and you know it was all about like sort of coming together and stuff like that and he was very you know sort of liberal in the south you know in the early 2000s um but he always put me and this girl lisi together and i'm like i remember like one lesson being like why why are we in the same why are we always yeah. like paired up and i mean like we're mates so it's not a big deal but and she was like are you serious and i'm like yeah and she was like we're the only minorities yeah. in the class and I was like, oh shit, yeah, you know, because everyone else was a sort of white southerner. And it was really, um, 
really weird. Even though I went to like you know, it was a, a, in in Atlanta and Georgia, it was a very okay. liberal school and all that kind of stuff. But um, even still, it was very um, sort of like uh, not segregated like, on purpose, but kind sort of, of slightly. Yeah, but it was a sort of like the the idea that me and yeah. Well, not even that. I think it was just the idea that, like, me and Lisi probably had a closer yeah. experience than, um, uh, than I did. I mean, not only being a foreigner, but also being uh, mixed race. And I think it was just quite fun. I remember, like, being, like, dumbfounded by it at the time. It's funny that to her, it's just, like, um, totally obvious because I guess stuff like that happened to her even at that age. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, standard, uh, and just like, well, yeah, obviously this is how it works. Um, yeah. yeah, but I mean, I mean, but that's the thing. So, like, I, like, and I remember sort of, and it's, I mean, this. So, I must have started getting into politics when I was about eleven, twelve years old, and then by sort of fourteen, I was reading like you know, um, like I'd read Che Guevara's biography. Oh, yeah. I was reading like books on like Malcolm X and the Black Panthers and particularly being in America and sort of getting to getting to grips with American politics. Whereas British you politics was Tony not Ben's thing diaries to <laughs> compared to no, Malcolm X. No, no Tony <laughs> Ben. I don't think I learned no, that, who Tony yeah, Ben was. That shows how like genteel really the differences okay. as well. Like, you know. But there is that <laughs> thing where I read a really good thing recently about how uh the British left has more in common and more of a thread running through it of Jesus Christ and Karl Marx, which is 100% true. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, there's no communist party. You know, there hasn't, yeah, as in like a, of, of, of like real, you know, strength. There's you know, yeah. a communist party run a presidential candidate every, every time in France now in every presidential election. And they'll win millions and millions of votes. They won't win, but they'll always get a percentage, mm. you know. Um, and and it's important what they do in terms of for the rest of the left, you know, like a block coalition, that kind of thing. Um, so you know, it's like it's notable when it will be said on the news. Oh, the Communist Party candidate, da 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 da. Whereas <laughs> here, can you imagine, you know, like never. So, uh, and people, the leadership of a lot of the left, left and most recently Corbyn, Methodist, there's always a, like, it's like radical left in Britain, it's like Quakers, Methodists, all this kind of yeah. thing. Um, and it's very interesting, you know, if you look back across, you know, sort of 150 years or so, uh, yeah, a lot of like sort of teetotalers as well, all this sort of um, what they called um, temperance movements, so this kind of stuff. Yeah. And it really isn't, it, you know, it's like a small C conservative socialist, like leftist, left, <laughs> like, you know, um, mm. com- if you, relative to, you know, continent European counterparts, uh, or like in the US, kind of like pure sort of um, blue collar laborism sort of stuff um and that you know that obviously frames it in the sense of uh it's all like a moral and that and i think that's where the outrage come from i think if you you know if you were like in france and you're sort of like shocked at macron doing x y and z you would probably just be regarded or see yourself as a liberal (laughs) where but you know like the radical left just would always be like yeah, of course. This is like the nature of sort of a neoliberal president or whatever. 
uh, whereas here there is always this this like shock and I, like the the British thing of fair play. Even the left have it. It's like percolated into our minds. Well, I was going to say like when we with the with the abolitionist movement in the eighteen hundreds. I mean that was that came out of um, yeah. the Quakers and things like that. Like. So it's yeah that like there there's I mean it's not even a recent oh yeah thing. that's it's what I'm saying yeah it's, it's a long it's thread and that's why the point like is you can connect the British left more easily with yeah the teachings and thought and kind of influence of Jesus Christ i.e. you know sort of like uh, slightly left of center uh, not politically but sort of slight curveball kind of Christian sex of Christianity than you can with you know proper sort of uh, you know, communism, Marxism, and uh, yeah, you know, so it's just this thing of like, I don't know. Last election, you just, I don't, I just get very bored of the left, like complaining about like, uh, why isn't the BBC or why isn't the media treating it fairly? It's like what? It's the most basic thing to just know that that's not the job of the media to like pump up a fucking radical leftist, <laughs> or to treat. <laughs> anyone of that sort of ilk fairly uh you know and my i'll yeah do it sometimes be surprised um you know it's 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 grating you got to pay them a fucking tax even if you don't watch shit on the bbc and then they will gaslight the entire population and, and sort of manufacture consent for the tories yes that is grating don't pay your license fee kids um you know, and I remember my mum's a single mum and they'd send round heavies to sort of intimidate her into paying her license fee when she was working like four jobs to feed her kids and you're just like yeah this stinks <laughs> and why you know like obviously like debt collectors that's not yeah not from the bbc but the, yeah bbc happily yeah put them to service obviously and that's the gov yeah and that's the thing it's intrinsically linked with the state uh, and the government so mm. um but uh, yeah and in the u i don't know in the u.s it's kind of weird because you just sort of think um you think the left sort of doesn't exist and is crushed, but you kind of, if it can build up some momentum in the way it sort of did under Sanders, and that is still a limited left, you know, obviously, because I think he still funds the, you know, sort of uh, military and security state stuff as a senator. He sort of doesn't really sort of swim across against tide on that. I think he's, I think there's a real American left thing of worry about what's going on at home. Uh, and then deal with the the foreign affairs stuff is to you know you sort of think about that down and that no one wants to think about that and that's probably part of being left at the center of an empire so you know no one wants to hear about oh you know we're committing crimes or and actually the person who did that most was trump probably in terms of saying like we kill people and <laughs> yeah. yeah we're no angels and that sort of stuff when he was asked about putin so you kind of like well you know i've heard more of that from trump than on the sort of far left in america um but yeah, so that's that seems to be a thing there where it's like bread and butter, domestic issues and economism. Uh, we'll leave the, uh, which is which is a difficult thing with with Labour under Corbyn, where Corbyn's obsessed with and his personal obsessions are and interests are foreign affairs, uh, and pacifism, um, yeah, and like sort of global equality and things, whereas the Labour Party, you know fucking overlooked, uh, you know, uh, the empire and doesn't, has never really sat and thought about that, <laughs> you know, of like what its own involvement uh, in those kind of things. And also more recently, obviously foreign, you know, wars and stuff like that. So, 
Um, so yeah, don't know. <laughs> there you go. But you know, it's probably no. But I mean, I think that I think it is also interesting that the most recent American, and then, and this is sort of how there is a, a cross section of different interests and different beliefs that have risen about at, all at the same time in both the UK and the US. And I think both act as sort of cultural, um, not necessarily monoliths, but like there are certain things that you can, um, you can, um, sort of compare and contrast with them and that the lockdowns, the pandemic, Brexit, Trump, you know, this idea like where people are becoming much more in tune with what's happening, not necessarily in tune, much more aware of what's happening around them. And I think that there is a sort of burgeoning class consciousness that hasn't been there previously in the last sort of 15, 20 years. I mean, I've, I assumed that after 2008 that um, that there would be more um, uh, m- more awareness of how sort of uh, multinational uh, finance and the, the multinational finance industry sort of affects your life much more than people would necessarily give it credit for. Um, but I think that maybe in hindsight, having a sort of long-term long tail effect of it you know where you can look at sort of stagnant wages um uh um the the sort of booming stock market while everybody else is still like piss poor essentially i mean you know in our generation we're continually told for the last 10 12 years that we are going to be worse off than our parents um you know the fact that i have friends that earn far much more money than i do they have nice holidays, but they still share apartments okay. with other people. Um, is this in the UK that, or America? You know, that they, Sweden. Yeah, yeah, in, in, in the UK, yeah. But, I mean, even even to an extent here. Um, and then friends in the States that, you know, like living in big cities, working essentially like – I mean, it's, it's worse in the US because, you know, the Americans, they don't get – like to get a job that has, you know – sick days and yeah, things yeah, like sure. that and i mean i you know we take you, you know in europe we take for granted that by law you get 25 days of holiday a year and public holidays on top of that was, you know i've got american friends that work on weekends yeah, yeah. and then like well you know i need to show that my i need to show my boss uh that i'm working hard because if he wants to fire me i can be out the door in fucking two weeks and you know without a social safety net um and i don't think that you know and and even people that have sort of relatively good, well-paying jobs. I mean, you know, what in theory is a well-paying job, you know, the money doesn't stretch as far as it, as, as it used to. You know, I mean, people, most people our age, I'm trying to think how many of them I know, are, maybe like three or four of my mm-hmm. friends own a house. Yeah, okay. Um, and, you know, and I mean, they're not working, you know, they're, they're you know, sort of you, working... No, but I mean, but this is the thing, like even, you know, I remember like, you know, you need to go to university so you can get a good job. Went to university, had an all right paying job. It was a bit shit. Get a master's and, you know, you'll, you'll get a good job. <laughs> Flying you know, high. It's not, it's like, it's, whereas, you know, 30 fucking years ago, you could have left school at 
you know, 16 and got an apprenticeship and you could probably buy a house in, you know, 10 years. It's, it's very, yeah, and I think I mean, that I what I was like, expecting wait, wait, okay, like people the, to sort of, yeah. Okay. But, but, hang on, breaking down up a bit. But, oh, hang on, breaking up a bit. Can you hear me? Can I can I can hear you? Yes. Um. Right. Okay. I think you're back. Not sure what happened there. Um. But what I would say about the housing thing and that life of because what came before the current situation? Nuclear family, two point four kids. You have a house in the same place for thirty forty years. You probably won't go on protests or question uh, sort of the system because you are comfortable, uh, have access to cheap credit, which came a bit later on that in terms of 80s, 90s. Um, so that kind of helps push sort of patriarchy, uh, heteronormativity, that, I think that's the word, uh, and yeah, just general idea of stability and you know, go to work, reproduce yourself, reproduce the system, your a significant other usually will reproduce, you know, obviously the family and produce more of the family. Um, and there's always a thing of like, I really want the left to learn that, su- that some of the lessons that have come out of neoliberalism. So one is people want to be or regard themselves as individuals, not what was before that which was more of a kind of one size fits all and you're part of a a group dynamic uh and you know we'll, we'll give you a flat uh but it'll be in a massive concrete block and very un inhumane sort of alienated and sort of blocked off kind of thing you have a house great and that is better than not having one being on the streets or something or sharing with eight people but it will be you know the gray block over there and you'll be in it and I don't know. Yeah, that's that's the sort, um, and just this thing of like, I don't know. Yeah, like individual individualism is important, and it's something the left needs to take seriously, and, mm. and not see it ram not go for rampant individualism, but accept that you know people, even if in total you know everyone who thinks they're like oh I'm being really individual because I've got green hair and I've got this all these tattoos and. And we're all black, and obviously they're all just you know doing the same as a million other people. But that's still perhaps preferable to not feeling like, you know, in a sort of state structure that they're they're anything different from anyone else sort of classified. So there's that, and also just like a sort of, uh, yeah, I don't know, a, a sort of yeah, this sort of like I hate the word a bit, uh, but sort of um, oh fuck, what is it? Oh, shit, you know, we love like tech and uh, when they say it begins with a D, shit. Come on, hey, you got to help me here. Tech Dis- begins no, dis- with a dis- D. Like a disruptive. It's like, oh, disruptive, disruption. No, but there's a, bit, there's a better word, like they, yeah, like Trump was it for politics. So the Con Valley is. Yeah, disruptor. Yeah, okay, okay. Disruption. So, so this sort of disruption of like, do you want to get married and live in a house with one person? 20 years later, resenting each other, stuck in one place, 
Uh, you can't just get up and move to fucking Rio. Um, you can't go to protest because what happens? You might lose your job and the mortgage goes, ooh, and the bank gets funny. You know, all these sorts of things where it's like, again, it's another thing I find odd on the left where it's like, because we've got such a lack of stability and live in such precarity, it's gone so far the other way. We're like, oh my God, I want a house where I can sit with my partner for 30 years, even though my parents or a lot of people in their generation did that and a lot of women had just got chucked fucking Valium down their throat because it was so <laughs> horrible and unhappy <laughs> and uh, yeah, so dehumanising and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, hang on, why, why, sorry, why do, you, why do you want that if you're like a 30-year-old leftist in 2021? It, you know, it's like. Well, I mean, that's, modern life is generally dehumanizing anyway. Yeah, um, sure, but it's it's worse it, when it's like, hey, you've got a fucking Hoover, uh, you got dishwasher, you got your car, your two kids today, your husband's out of work, or you might be both be out of work, or the woman's out of work. Now shut the fuck up! Like that was the old deal, where it's like the union would get the guy's stuff, you know, get his pay that went up every year above inflation, that all that kind of stuff. They got a house, they got a place in the suburbs, and it's fucking dire. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it might be, or it might be just as bad as sharing with six people in a bit of a crap hole in London, uh, or being pushed out of the city you're in because it's too expensive now, but it's not fucking better. And because we want stability more than we have now, that doesn't think we throw the baby out of the bathwater. So it's like, we Mm. want controlled, like rent controls should be like the core thing for the left. I would say not. I would home ownership's the lowest it's been in forty years. Good. I want as least people as possible but owning fucking homes. Yeah? But be, this is the churn. I want as I many mean, people you know, as like possible we're... renting a home for fuck all. Yeah. And it's just because it's like you own a house, you've got to give up so much. You've got you probably have to live with a partner. Even if you want to live on your own, you kind of go into a certain mindset of like, I'm the king of my castle. Well, what are those kids doing there hanging around outside? Oh, hey, get away, you know, from my property. You know, there's a real mindset like that. You know, whereas, you know, if you're a renter, where it's like, you know, when I was in Switzerland, they couldn't raise the rent above inflation, landlords, legally. Mm. So uh, they often just didn't even bother rent raising it with inflation because that was a bit of a faff for them. So often rents would be nominally the same price as in, in terms of numbers that they were in like 1992 in 2015 so you know if it was, it was you know a grand a month in 1995 it might have been a grand a month in the year 2015 which isn't which is just wild that's like my utopian vision it's not that utopian because it happens somewhere so that means it can be done not like oh Every will bulldoze the entire countryside so everyone under 40 can own a fucking house because that's basically the option or living in high rises, and people go, "Oh, I don't live in a fucking high rise," you know, <laughs> on the on the edge of the city, because yeah, oh, you know, only certain people live in those places, and it's like, yeah, not middle class white people often, and so and they won't want to fucking live in those sorts of places. It's like, oh, I want a garden so I can grow, do some gardening, and I can have my dog, and I can drink my gin in the back garden in the summer, and all these sorts of you know, whatever stuff. Uh, that you know now millennials sort of fetishize as a thing instead of having a personality they are into those things which is fine we all have our own version of that uh yeah and i just find that deeply sort of retrograde and sort of semi-reactionary where it's like you know it's that well it's thatcher's dream and and so thatcher rent free is in these people's home in uh, head heads 
going, you got to own a house, man. Got to own a house, man. You got to own a house. Or, you know, what are you? You know, you're fake. You got to own a house. And, I, and like I said, you know, I should try and be a bit more generous in that I do get where it's but coming I think, from. But I think the, the, the whole house thing, I think there is a sort of... I think that the, the idea of stability is, at the moment, what people have is partly due to how unstable things have been in the last 15 years, rather yes. than it being a sort of uh, moving back to a sort of small C conservative mentality that was, you know, uh, very much the dream in the 1980s, you know, get a job, get a house and, and, and all that, well, people loved you know, it, like though. having a, know. you know, Ford Escort and living in Essex. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, whereas now I think it's sort of, it's more that people are like, I don't know how I'm going, you know, like the yeah. ability to save money. I don't know how I'm going to pay rent. If I had a house and a mortgage, it'd be, you know, at least I'd, I'd have something rent. at the end no, of I it get rather it. Yeah, than yeah. like, you know, yeah. I'm giving, you know, some lecherous landlord uh, my money so he can then increase the rent yeah, sure. as much as he wants. But I mean, if, you, if you own a house now, you literally have to be in a couple or uh, you have to um, inherit the money pretty much. Mm. You know, obviously, or be quite wealthy, or whatever. Hmm. Um, you know, and that and that has ramifications. You know, in terms of like, oh, I'm quite a progressive-minded person, but you know, like, I have to accept that. You know, it, I'm lucky that I've got family that you know would sort of buy me a place or so, or help me with the deposit. And so then hmm. it's like structural inequality is even more baked in. Or, yeah. But that's yeah, but but I think that's that's just largely my point is that there's like everything else is so topsy turvy. It's sort of like I'd like yeah. to just be able to put my things down and not have to worry about it. No, I get else. that. I get that. Um, and I have the same. I have the exactly the same worries and feelings. Although I, you know, I am someone who moves around a fair bit, and and um, it is tough t- at times because you sometimes like. I remember having a conversation with a guy who was like, um, yeah, he's an intelligent guy, but he obviously had zero interest in politics and and didn't you know so sometimes i see it as like you know like if you're into politics in the way we sort of are you can sort of somewhat read the code the greens code in the matrix yeah like it makes sense to you you can see it and that's probably what marx was doing he could see the code and then decipher it and put it into english or whatever yeah german or whatever and english or whatever whereas there's people who are out there they don't see any code. They just see a house, a tree, a bird, or whatever. There's no like Neo going, "Oh my God, look!" At the end of the film, where he's like, "Wow, look, I can see it all. I know what's happening," kind of thing. Which sounds, you know, a bit sort of patronising. But anyway, <laughs> um, but you know, so and there's a lot. You meet lots of those people with intelligent, uh, interesting people, but they've just got no conception of like denaturalizing the world they live in. You know that everything is just as it is, and that's natural. And it and it will forever. It has been thus forever, and it will ever be thus. Um, and I remember him talking about being really just depressed about being like thirty and living in a place of like several people. And he's like, I really like the people I live with, but it's just so exhausting. I'm so tired of it. And he'd been in the same place for like a you know years kind of thing. So it wasn't like moving around loads and that sort of thing. And you talk about rent. You talk about all this sort of stuff. And I was, and and then you know I. I don't know why, because I am quite a sort of, you know, I'm quite a neurotic person. I'm anxious about stuff. I'm not like, hey, relayed really back or something. But, you know, I did sort of think a couple of years ago, I was like, maybe I'll just move to Sheffield because it is, you know, 500 quid to live on your own 
I don't have kids, so why don't I just do it? And I'm not, it's perverse that you should have to move away from your like social network and where you're from and like your family and all that sort of stuff. But part of me sometimes does think, and I'm not saying I'm like, oh, entrepreneurial, like, you know, individual spirit or something bullshit, but I don't know. There's lots of people just like moan about that. And yeah, I remember like seeing this bullshit thing with Richard Spencer where he's going, oh, yeah. Uh, move being a migrant is pathetic it's like well being a migrant means you're like the fucking person that went oh man I've got to get the fuck out of here do something out of you know like move away take a punt take a you know they're the people that you know should they're the, yeah I don't know the people actually kind of trying to make something of their lives and better and all that sort of stuff and um, yeah that someone like Richard would like could pretend to be yeah, really sort of like, you sort of think, oh, well, that's your sort of up and at them from the bootstraps individual pushing themselves sort of thing. So what, oh, but it's brown people. Okay, that's the problem. But I don't really get this when, when yeah, this guy was like, he's, 30, he's like 30 and, you know, yeah, young guy, can't touch it. It's like, well, you're just constantly moaning about it. Then, you know, the system's not going to change in like a 5, 10, 15, 20 year cycle. So you have to accept that to some extent and do your bit to change it. But also then you might have to go, right, fuck this, because in my life, this is probably going to be the setup. And maybe I'm going to have to fuck off and do something different. And uh, yeah, I don't know. And, 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 like, and I'm saying this as someone who, yeah, gets anxious at everything. And when I moved to Switzerland, it was, you know, I was shitting it about taking the fucking... 13 hour train journey let alone moving to a different country you know it's all just terrifying but, it's just but like, I think that yeah. like like what I was going to say earlier was that I think this is sort of I think you know when you're talking about sort of seeing the matrix and, and all that kind of stuff I think that the, the what's happening at the moment is that more and more people are sort of seeing it yeah. and this is what I mean by the churn it's is important. that yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's it sort of people become more aware of how sort of insignificant they are into sort of global integrated systems um, and that they are sort of tiny inconsequential cogs in the machine. Um, and that is, and you know, it's funny because I keep seeing articles about, you know, this being a, a sort of another, a, another lost generation after having a lost generation, you know, because of COVID, after having a lost generation, not, you know, more than, 10 years ago um and i think yeah, that what, there is was a, there not a lost generation so there's a lost generation fighting vietnam there's a lost generation fighting world war ii there's a lost generation world war one there's a lost generation the great depression when the fuck was humanity just sitting there going oh, i think it's all all right isn't it well i mean 92 for some <laughs> white people in america and europe so then because we grew up in that and the fucking newspaper columnists grew up in it they go that's that is the not the default yeah, but why? How do we get back to it? And that's no, but that's my like point. I think it's just the idea that like it's now it's not as atomized as you know. I mean, I think of sort of you know Asia in the in the nineties and and with the Asian financial crash, or you know the dot com bubble in, in the early two thousands, and then you know people nine eleven, and then the, the end of the financial crash. Yeah, like this constant, sort yeah. of like this sort of eat you up, spit you out kind of idea of you need to get a job because you know like with like the rise of like the gig economy and, and things like that it's just sort of you know human labor is 
all that it takes to keep the system going. And, you know, and I, this is something like I've thought about my entire life, basically. So why the fuck do we have to go to work? Like, I mean, it's just, it still baffles me. Like, I don't quite get, and then, I mean, I'm, you know, the wrong side of 35. I'm relatively intelligent. I still don't understand why the fuck I go to work or why we have to work or why we have the system built the way it is. Um, well, you'd assume people would still go to work at where you were ACDC because it's important. Well, yeah, okay. I mean, no, I mean, I'm not cross. talking like in that sense. I mean, it's just like, I remember I used to write for a magazine and I used to work in the sales department as well. And basically it was filled with a bunch of shysters and they're all fucking scumbags basically. And, you know, the whole premise of like, you know, working in sales is like, you need to lie to people to convince them that they're, if they don't buy advertising in this magazine, where we basically blow smoke up rich people's asses, um, then, you know, that is the sort of fear of fear of losing out or missing out. Um, yeah. And, you know, and it was sort of convincing someone to spend several thousand euros on a poxy advert in a magazine. Um, and, you know, and was, yeah, you know, and it was sort of like, well, you know, oh, you know, I made this many sales in a month. And so it's like, great. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, what, what have you contributed? I mean, other than you making extra money that you can go piss up the wall like there's no societal good to what you've done and also and in particular because it was a business magazine which is fucking ridiculous um but i don't get it i don't get i just don't get it like it, it it baffles me i'm like i don't understand why people are excited about this i don't understand i mean like yeah you have more money to sort of you can have a nice holiday or you can buy this new thing and this and that and the other. It's like expensive watches. I don't get well, people, why people... people are, yeah, that's it. Well, Matt, you know, I meet, you know, people, I, I'm always like, if I, if I meet someone wearing like an Apple watch, I'm like, what has gone wrong there? For example, mm. you know, I'm like, not like Fitbit or something where it's like, no, I'm just like, so you're wearing a smartphone, you've got a smartphone, you're all times. But you, you've got a second shittier smartphone on your wrist at all times. Don't get it. So, no, see, well, this is the thing. Uh, like but, that. Like I mean, I can understand something like utility in expensive things. Like you know, if, but like and I, yeah, well, cars utility. But you could say utilities. You're just like, oh, well, they want another car, or whatever. Or they they want another. You know, well, what what's what's like not rational then as a sort of utility thing that you're saying people are buying. Nice clothes make you look good, and then you sort of fit in with society more, and you're probably more likely to have sex. And that's a fucking utility, isn't it? No, no. But seriously, in the current setup, yeah, it's like what is there? What is there? I don't think we can be like the arbiters. Of no, like no, I'm, I'm not suggesting that you know, I have the answers. My my general point of being like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's sort of like what in the grand scheme of things, for example, smartphones are completely fucking pointless because all of humanity existed before it quite nicely. For you know. I wasn't talking about the grand tens scheme of, of thousands of years. I was no, talking no, no, about like in relation saying. to my job where I worked and it was shitty and people just earned more money to spend more on yeah, things. So like I just no, didn't that, get so it. Like, I always think that. No, but that's good in the set in the sense of that some of that would be good because if you so for example, if you had like a basic income, um then there was, oh, people just, I remember when I was living in Switzerland, there was a referendum for bringing in basic income and the, the propaganda against it was they'd have a big, uh, you know, like what's it, fucking campaign poster and it was a, a an overweight gentleman in a vest eating pizza and smoking fags on the sofa wearing a crown. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's very subtle, witty, clever political 
uh, propaganda. But that's the that was that was how it's like uh, sort of you know that that's how people live. You know, you you will be paying for this guy to do fuck all, and all we'll be doing is splurge a load of money so that lazy people can sit at home eating pizza and apparently wearing crowns for some reason. Um, but what will probably happen is that a huge proportion of the working population will continue to work for good reasons. One, because they like their job, but two, because they, which is less good, is that they want to buy, yeah, in a consumer society, what happens? You have co- you have a pandemic, people can't consume, they go insane. So people, I mean, I've met people throughout this thing who are working from home and they're like, I can't wait to get back to the office. And I just think, what is fucking wrong with you? You know, like, why? You're mad. You know, but that that's me, and I'm not saying it's correct. And obviously, working... So if you were wanting to go back to the office because your job's quite worthwhile and you're working towards like a common goal that is helpful to the society around you, you know, I don't know, you work for a mental health charity or something, and it's like, oh, I want to be back in the office, bounce ideas a bit, but we are, I'm a teacher. It's like, yeah, I do totally get that. Where it's like, uh, I sell widgets to the bumhole corporation. I really want to be back in the office. It's like what's fucking wrong with you? And so there will be loads of people that will, under UBI, if you gave them 20 grand a year, UBI, they'll still go to fucking work because they'll want a better car because in a consumer society where, you know, economic wealth equals human value, you know, you need a better car to pick up chicks or something. Um, You need to have the smartwatch so you look cool. You need some fucking iPad guff because it's got a better screen than the poor bloke who's got a cheaper iPad with shittier screens who won't be as popular. You know, all this total shite. Um, and, and, you know, and that's not good because then you just still live on a system which is going to destroy the planet eventually. And it's destroying the soul, probably, yeah, just as importantly. Um, but people will continue that. I've got no doubt that I would say, you know, let's say COVID went off tomorrow, you know, 90% of the people who aren't at work now will you know, want to probably, they'll, you know, they'll probably be okay going back to, not, no, no, sorry, that's, that's probably, I don't know, I don't know what percentage. No, it'd be less, it'd be way less than that. I think that that's, that. No, it'd be way less than that, but I'm trying to think what it would be. Because I think like what I would say people now is that, that, you know, this sort of burgeoning class consciousness is that people realize that a lot of what they do is essentially pointless. Well, I think they see the commute as pointless, yeah. and that's that's. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I've I've always been half hours day, you know, impression that if you have to com- commute to work, you should be paid to commute to work. Pardon me. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Which you know, the, the... or if you don't need to do it, you don't do it. But but then again, if see, this is the problem. If you put everyone, uh, if everyone stays at home, let's say just an office job, like admin or whatever, it that becomes even more difficult to like organize that workforce than a fucking you know uh tele telemarketing uh hire and fire like you know company or office you know just doing cold calling Mm. how the like how does labor operate as like collectively if everyone works from home um with your company spying on you yeah and and if you're sat in front checking if you're sat in front of your webcam that you know that in itself is quite grim and i know people where they have stuff like i think my brother has it a bit where you know it's like oh we can ask them to do something at 10 to 5 
because what the fuck else are they mm. doing? They're gonna, yeah, it's in the at the current situation of COVID. Because like, well, you know, you're gonna be at home all evening, aren't you? <laughs> and 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 like, yeah, you know, uh, management stuff taking advantage of that knowledge and the fact the person's at home and isn't commuting, so they've got more time to work because a commute was sometimes a time where you know, oh, like, I get to fucking read for eight minutes. I listen to that podcast. Yeah, all like debased formed. Yeah, I don't. I haven't got time to make a coffee at home and drink it. But I'll pay someone else to make it and take it on the train. But I'm still drinking a coffee. Now it's like, right, the moment you wake up, you got to be up at that fucking computer until, you know, a, a specified time that the company, you know, stipulates. And and it's not way better. I mean, it probably is better. But it's, it's still got major issues and it's well, probably going to put... If, if- if anything that's just uh i was just gonna say like if anything it's just a massive advert to join the union i mean like one of the things here that's interesting about sweden is it doesn't have a minimum wage and that's because the unions are so strong that you would never get away with paying home with a minimum wage um and so and i mean i think like being like atomized in a sense like if you're working from home is it, it can lead to problems in in the sense of organizing labor but I think also it, I do think it's like one of the good things about social media is that people do spend their time discussing things with strangers on the internet. Yeah, but not doing anything. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah but, but you can say people don't do anything, but I think that, you know. I well, don't. No. <laughs> I'm probably projecting. No, but I say uh, my sense is that, you know, when things need to, when things are at the point where, people are essentially chained to their desks and they're being spied upon um, that you will start to see more action. And that I think that like also at the present moment in the pandemic, um, people are also worried about jobs and they will take, they will let a job, an employer take as many liberties as they can because they're worried about unemployment. And I think that once the pandemic is over and there are more jobs, I think people will take less shit. Um, man there were there was extremely tight labor market for example in the uk before the pandemic there's there's close to no unemployment yeah obviously in terms of in a system that involves mass unemployment so it's not like 70s no unemployment mm. or sorry 60s is probably better sort of a decade or so but like so you could see wages were going up for the first time in, in like 10 years or more because uh you know they had to because there was you know obviously like low unemployment and um i think i think you're more optimistic than i in the sense of for example you know pushing through a deeply disturbing crime bill at the moment and we go oh yeah look it's a bloody powder keg in bristol it's like 200 people and there's 400,000 plus people in bristol mm. So 99.9% of the population of the city could not give a fuck and don't bother going down there each night, yeah? Um, and there's 65 million people, whatever, or 70 million people in the country, and there's been a few fucking protests where you could... Let's say if you have been generous, you'd say there was 20,000 people got involved in those. That's probably a yeah factor of, like, two than what it actually has been. Um, and you're like, well... People they give a fuck, but they're at home and they're tired and they can't do anything about it, which is basically the same because it's like, you know, it means that the other side can just force shit through because no one's sort of stopping it. So like, bless the bless twenty four year olds who are 
going out and you know still got good knees and shit and can run away from the police or you know getting their heads kicked in and stuff each night last five days or whatever last week but it is the you know it's close to the close to sort of, it's like the absolute minimal amount of people <laughs> that you could get where something could blow up or whatever because well i mean i think that like the only yeah, reason i have two, any three, sense of optimism is because you know i mean i do think at some point people will be pushed too far and i mean um you know there's nothing sort of i've you know it's just, it's just a nice feeling to have and maybe that is <laughs> that is, yeah, I think you're, it's good to well, so yeah. not pick one of them. So you might as well have the optimism. But I mean, but you know, it's like I think because the thing is, is there's that thing where things have to be utterly extreme. It seems for something to flip in terms of like moral acceptance. And it's like think of how long, like even you know, in historical terms, like world historical terms, like slavery was yeah, you know, on mass. Let's say from Africa to the Americas, not the slavery that still goes on and it's happened forever but like that particular form of slavery that's it that sort of triangular trade sort of system that was a very very tiny period in human history um but you know a fucking long time in terms of like you know centuries or whatever um and that kind of just was able to perpetuate itself and replicate itself and people were like yeah, but but yeah, at the same time, I mean, like humans, you know, look like at the cattle. poll tax rights in in the eighties. You know, I mean, yeah, like sure. I think that you know, you, you, I do think it is a case of you push enough people far enough. No, but I think this is so. Th- this is these are like um, so so so. What is worrying now? So you know, like I'm, I've been watching like The Crown, yeah, like the last the fourth season where it's like Thatcher and power, and. The thing about, let's say you're a leftist in like, you know, 1979 and you're like terrified about what Thatcher's going to do, even though she wasn't quite as clear about what she's going to do in 79. But even in the 80s, let's say the height of her power was like late 80s or post Falklands. Um, you can remember a time if you're like, I don't know, 20 plus of, you know, like socialist governments and that being fairly standard and them being like, you know, for full employment, not neoliberal, social democratic. And you could sort of think, oh, it's been five years. Oh, it's been 10 years. It's been 15 years. But there was a long period before that where it's kind of like a consensus that you don't have Thatcherism. So there's always this sort of thing of like, well, you know, this isn't not the norm and we could probably go back to something different. Now, though, you're like saying, is that even... Po-? It's been, you know, decades now, like four or five decades. And, you know, it's sort of drifting out of memory <laughs> to have something... So, so the sort of closest thing that you can see to like an actual difference now, the, the it seems to be the two options are centrist technocratic neoliberalism or Viktor Orban, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah you know, like yeah. uh, sort of authoritarianism, like Johnson, Berlusconi, Orban, you know, all these people, and not anything from the left. And the left obviously will always be there. It will be, you know, you'll have protests, you'll have like these sort of, but it's more like. Uh, you know, like going back before, you know, like early socialism, where it wasn't a movement, it wasn't a mass, you know, and like the proletariat wasn't like a world historic agent. Uh, it was sort of like dispersed, localized, uh, sudden, you know, because I am a believer in a sort of systems theory kind of 
view of society where you can only push things so far until there's like a almost like automatic stabilizer mm. that comes in the other way and that but that's been going on for like you know millennia but it doesn't mean that it's socialism or that it's going to ref- turn into something better i mean you know I don't, there would have been a ma- like a massive pushback against columbus in you know central south america or whatever but what fucking difference did it make i mean <laughs> it's like wipe the fuck out of them anyway but there was a massive yeah i'm sure it was an uprising and there was a battle against it and there's a fight against it but didn't lead to anything did it, it just led to probably taking a few months longer or a couple of years longer to be wiped out civilization so i think now we're in a sort of post yeah there is sort of situation of like uh yeah a sort of like wow this is like a, a sort of uh what's what's the gramscian thing of like a sort of modern prince made up of like subaltern mm. groups that came together uh to to tackle like take to be like an oppositional force and then also you had the soviet union that was always there in the background as a like well there is you, there is something out there that is flawed and fucked up but it but as capitalist system is but but look it's there it exists so people could go oh, okay it is you can defeat what we're in because there's an other version over there uh whatever you think about it now then none of that it's like going back to 1700 or something where it's sort of small move and it'll be like oh anonymous mm. post 2008 or it'll be like the Corbyn people, or it'll be the anti-crime bill. But you're, you know, you read about this stuff in history, and it's like the levelers, the chartists, the whatever. You know, no, no. But and it's always like a a particular thing against a particular thing that then either wins some piecemeal stuff, or like bit. You know, and this is the problem the left like seeing it's like a teleological development towards sort of utopianism. Sometimes it's like, oh yeah, they handed in loads of fucking leaflets and pro- uh, petitions, got beaten up won some more rights but it didn't like open a door to like a next thing that then built on that and the next thing it's like yeah sometimes but also sometimes it's just like a oh yeah yeah we got some stuff we wanted all right then it's over you know um and i don't know we got a fight against this sort of thing because it's very late intellectually lazy i think it was like oh yeah we'll have a summer of protest and we'll beat the crime bill and then we've had all the financial crisis so people are poor and they're angry and then and it'll build to this we'll have corbynism and then that will do this and that will do that and it's like well sometimes just fucking stuff loses or wins or gets some stuff and then disappears you know yeah so so i think it's just um yeah i think we're back to like the pre organized sort of mass socialist mass working movements period which was i guess what like all of human history up until about 200 years ago but obviously there's always been the fight back protest movements against grim shit happening from people at the bottom against the people at the top and their sort of allies and that will always be the case uh it's just like have you got a thing with enough heft to i don't know create something that's Soviet Union, but not the Soviet Union or whatever else, you know, or create like social democracy, but not social democracy. Cause that's pretty fucking shit as well. If you weren't a white man in, you know, working in an auto factory and even for them, it's pretty crap as well. So there's no like sort of thing of like, Oh, we've got to go back to the sixties and we want, there's all this great stuff or we've got to be, well, some of the sixties stuff in terms of like the drugs, uh, the class consciousness, the, you know, changing your consciousness, all that, yeah, that sort of side, the sort of sexual freedoms, that kind of thing developing. But politically, you know, a lot of it was like, there's no looking back uh, and there's no sort of fetishizing bits and pieces in the here and now. Um, so, I don't know, basically, just all the old home depressed is, you know, cry. fight 
smash and, yeah. win. Yeah. Uh, which is that'll do. Yeah, that'll do it. Or just let 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 big <laughs> H history do its do its job. It'll it'll work it all out. It will it will swallow you up into the void and then throw something else out and uh you know our belief we like because it's very sweet that we're like this as individuals and even our groups and our big groups that yeah we're not we're we're in front of a vortex which is basically like a black hole pulling everything into its for its gravitational power and strength we go yeah yeah we're gonna be history just standing in (laughs) we're gonna move it and it's like yeah, and history's just like sucking everything and just having a good laugh. And I remember, you know, going to a uh, a, a lecture, uh, you know, when I was doing my master's and it was like an outside academic came in and they were like, get, they'd do like what, they'd like defend the paper or something and you'd kind of, you know, post-grads that they were allowed to be there and be, you know, oh, yeah, it's all about this. Yeah, dick it. It's like, <laughs> be pricked. Mate. And, it's, and I think the guy was asked like, oh, how long do you think capitalism will last? Like, how much long has it got left? And he's like, well, at least about 250 to 400 years. He just said it matter of fact like that. And it's like, and you sort of look at it, you sort of think, yeah, probably. Because, you know, ecological collapse will sort of like dovetail with that. So maybe, (laughs) and uh, yeah, but people are like, oh yeah. You know, and I think there's a thing is as you get older, there's this, you know, when I was 20, I thought, well, you know, if stuff tips over now, it'll be like that thing in the French Revolution. What's that quote of like, to be there was joy, but, to be young was very heaven or something. Yeah, you know, to be there during the French Revolution as a young person was like the most like heavenly thing to sort of witness. And then you get to over thirty, you know, like I'm gonna be fucked with either way. Even if there's a revolution tomorrow, if it's mm. wonderful, I'll be old and fucking knackered, <laughs> and it'll be <laughs> shit anyway. So, but I still want it to happen. Obviously, in the young person, people to enjoy it. But you know, I to sit in the corner going, "Oh, for fuck's sake, what's happen now when I'm forty-eight? Well, on that. Charming <laughs> and pleasant note. We shall uh well, that bombshell there. Um, you know. Two two very different views. Shall we? That's good, okay. So. Oh. oh supposed oh, to be having dinner now, actually. Sure. Big dinner. <laughs> Big dinner. Gary Sandberg's called at me. Try your best to stay alive. We can run, we can't hide. Might as well just stay in fire. Two by two, bombardade. Duck from a B1 bombardade. Ain't but the plans of Zama made. Banks get paid off extra trade. Circulate. Dozy dope. How much cash could I owe?